0: Amen. Thank you, Steffi. Happy Thanksgiving. Almost. Happy break. Almost, everyone. It's so good to be here. I'm so glad you all are here, and you haven't left yet, although I know with lots of friends who have. I'm glad you're here, and it's fun to be together and gather and worship today. If you, for real, if you're around and don't have a place for Thanksgiving, let us know. We'd love to have you over for, to have Thanksgiving with us, so come talk to me. How many of you have heard about the benefits of being grateful, you ever heard about that? How, be- how beneficial it is. Well, okay, I'll get some review here. It's become a little more common knowledge, but I was just uh, You can you you learn about it in lots of ways. But I was looking at an article in psych- Psychology Today recently. Mark's gonna be happy, yeah, Mark. <laughs> and and uh, it says it's, it, it listed seven seven clinically proven benefits to being grateful, and we have them here on the screen for you. So being grateful opens the door to more relationships, improves physical health and psychological health, leading to more happiness and less depression. Being grateful enhances empathy and reduces tendencies towards revenge. It leads to better sleep, increases self-esteem, and reduces comparisons. And it helps us have better resilience in the face of trauma. Being grateful is a really good thing. And and it's really kind of simple, right? We could actually improve our lives very simply by just being more grateful, by starting a gratitude journal, by building a rhythm into our lives where we wake up every morning and think of five things we're thankful for. These are very commonly expressed and, and now becoming more well-known truths about life as human beings. And we shouldn't be surprised about this. We remember Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians 5 when, when he says, give thanks in all circumstances, For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is what God wants for us. He's designed us to be people who give thanks. People who are grateful. And so when we we are grateful, we find that we become more healthy and whole and alive and more human because God made us as humans to be grateful. And how cool is it that we have in our country uh, a, a holiday that reminds us to be grateful and helps us stop And pause and be grateful. Maybe we should pause and be thankful for a holiday that helps us be grateful. I don't know. Something like that. That's wonderful. And that's good things. But today our passage from Luke takes us even further. Takes us even further. And it all starts with a pumpkin. Growing up, we in my family would go get a pumpkin in the fall for carving. We'd always go to you know, the pumpkin store, the pumpkin patch, whatever, and I always wanted the biggest pumpkin I could find. I, it didn't matter if it was a little ugly, you know, kind of misshapen, flat, dirty. doesn't matter. As long as it's big, that's mine. I want the big pumpkin. And, and so that's how I always was growing up, no matter what. Carve it and whatever the carving is. Was, as long as it was a big pumpkin, it was good. So uh, this fall, when my family and I decided it's time to go get our pumpkins, we went up to Green Bluff and went out to where you can you know, pick yours off the vine. And there was this section at the, at the farm we were at on Green Bluff that had the biggest pumpkins I had ever seen. And I saw it, and I, my eyes got really big. And, and I knew it was, it was you know, foolish financially, and how was I going to carry it? But, but Janelle was like, Forrest, it's okay. You should do it. <laughs> you and River should go choose one. It's okay. We can figure this out. So we did. I found this perfect, huge pumpkin. And somehow picked that thing up, got it on the wagon, dragged it up to the, the counter, put it on the scale. The guy wasn't too happy with me because he had to like find the special scale for the giant pumpkins. I put it on there and my pumpkin was 100 pounds. <laughs> no joke. And here's, we got, I got home, eventually got up on the front step and this is our pumpkin. You can see that. That's a large pumpkin right there. We had, we had so much fun. We had enjoyed it there for a while. And then we carved it and uh, it emptied it out, it took a while, some giant seeds, and you see there's some scale here, how big that pumpkin is. <laughs> there's a river inside that pumpkin with Bella. That's how big that pumpkin was. And it was so fun, and I was so grateful. What a fun treat for the guy who loves big pumpkins to have a 100-pound pumpkin. It's like, my dream come true, right? And I was full of gratitude that day and full of gratitude over that whole time as we got to enjoy that pumpkin before it got all moldy and gross inside, you know, as they do. Well, pause there. Pause there in the pumpkin. We'll come back to it. As you know, this semester we're, we're looking at, at relationships with Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. How is it that Jesus is coming and pointing to this year of the Lord's favor, going to people who are lost in darkness, oppressed, poor, outsiders, and saying, no, I'm going to heal you, restore you, bring abundance and life where there is poverty, bring you out of oppression and slavery into life and wholeness. This year of the Lord's favor, as Jesus has been doing that in lots of different ways, and we've seen again and again what's called what often biblical scholars call the great reversal in Luke, that the poor, the vulnerable, the non-Israelite, the irreligious outsiders are the ones who get it, who trust Jesus, and are healed by him. And it's the, the wealthy religious elite who shun Jesus. And Jesus rebukes them for their unbelief, even while he still reaches out to them in love. Because they need to be made whole too. This great reversal where those who are out somehow are made in. And we see in this passage today another example of this great reversal. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. I'd like it if we could read it together. be up here on the screen. Let's read it together. Thank you. This is God's word to us today. So we have this picture, and this is a really amazing story. There are a lot of amazing characters in the story. Let's start with maybe the ones we wouldn't notice as much, the ten. These ten are actually really special, faithful, incredible people. We see it in a couple of ways. We see, first, they kept their distance when they called out to Jesus. They were being obedient to the law of the time, right? That They had to stay 50 paces away from anyone else. Did not make anyone ritually unclean so they couldn't go to worship, to not uh, pass on their disease, their, their skin disease. And so they stayed away and respected others and respected God and called out, Jesus, master. That word master in, in Luke is only used four other times. All four. It's times when people recognize that Jesus has the power over creation. That he's the commander-in-chief of the created order. He, he can say things and change things. So even in their word to him, they 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 call they address Jesus in faith and acknowledgement of his authority, and then they say, "Have mercy on us!" Like they believe Jesus can do something. They have faith in trusting him, and even more faith when they the way they respond to Jesus' admonition. Isn't it funny how Jesus doesn't have a formula for us? Jesus recognizes that each of us are individual. And you see it in how he, how he interacts with people in his life, bringing the year of the Lord's favor. Some people, he comes, and some lepers, he comes and touches them and heals them that way. But these ones, instead, he says, Oh, no, not this time. This time, you just go. You go to the priests, and it'll, it'll happen. Something will happen. He doesn't say, What? Just go to the priests. And this, again, these 10, they're special. They, they've been there before, they're religious. And as religious Jews, what they did when they got leprosy the first time, according to Leviticus 13, they would have gone to the temple, gone to the priest, had the priest look at them. The priest would have sent them away for a week, come back in a week. If they're still not better, send them away for another week, come back. And if they come back a second time and still have leprosy, all right, you guys got to move out, live in isolation from the community, not interact with anyone else, that's it. They'd been to the priests. They'd been rejected by the priests. They were outsiders, and the priests were the ones who made sure they knew it. And now Jesus, who's loving the outsiders, he's caring for them, tells them to go back. And these 10, an amazing act of trust, do it. These guys are great. I mean, these guys are special. These guys, and the, as they go, Jesus comes through. The master comes through. He is powerful, and he does heal them, and they get clean, and the skin disease that had been all over them for so long, gone, whole, made new. Jesus is taking those outsiders, the ones who everyone else thought was, were they were isolated from the community. Everyone else thought they were worthless. God couldn't love them. They weren't the ones that God cared about. Jesus comes and heals them. This is what Jesus does. And, and as, we, as we continue to, to, to think about in our lives, if there are people who God can't love or people who are outside Because of physical or racial, ethnic, background, whatever it is, Jesus shows us that those outsiders are ones that God loves and wants to make whole. And so he does. He does. These ten, they've got to be excited, right? They've got to be thankful. They've got to be grateful. But the the midst of these really exceptional ten, there's one even more. One even more unique, one who gets it even more, and he comes back, right? The story could have ended there, but this one comes back, and he comes back praising God with a loud voice, yahoo, thank you, God, thank you, God, yeah, and he comes and he falls to his feet, he falls to his feet and says, thank you, Jesus, this guy comes back and says, thanks. And he was a Samaritan, Luke tells us, makes it really clear. This is the outsider of the outsiders. I mean, being leprous was already an outsider enough, but now this is the hated ethnic population right next door. They hate them. Jews, Jews hate the Samaritans. They're idolaters and half-breeds, and once you've compromised, they're not in. God doesn't care about them. They don't get it. And yet, Luke points out again, the outsiders are getting it. God's heart for the outsider, the one who no one else thinks is there, the one of uh, the other religion, the other race, the other people, the other gender. They don't, God couldn't love them, and that's the one who gets it and comes back and says thanks. Because God's welcome is for them in Jesus, the year of the Lord's favor. And this one comes and he throws himself down at Jesus' feet and praises God and thanks Jesus. See, this guy, probably all Tim were grateful, right? They must have been. But this one. Took it a step further. It's really good to be grateful. It's good to have the seven tips to how to how to be gra- how to be grateful and what that how it changes our life. That's really good. But this guy, the Samaritan, added worship to gratitude. He made it personal. It wasn't just general gratitude. That's good. It was personal gratitude. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. It was, he added worship to gratitude. And no longer just no longer amorphous, but directed. Thank you, God. Praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. And this Samaritan got it. He it seems that he understood James 117, where James tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from above from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. So when we have a gift we received, our response is gratitude, not just general gratitude, but actually gratitude mixed with praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And that's when gratitude becomes more complete, more whole. And that's when gratitude becomes more than just religion, more than just doing something so we can have a better life, a self-help plan, which are all good things. Moves from religion, us doing stuff on our own, to relationships. Actually knowing Jesus and knowing God and saying, God, thank you for this gift. God, thank you for my pumpkin. This is amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for friends and family and a break. Thank you, God, for great food. Thank you, God, for a place in our country that pauses and say thanks. Thank you, God, for college football with my family and friends. Thank you, God, for breath and life today thank you God for for your presence in the midst of suffering thank you God that you are king even when things are tumultuous in our nation thank you God and it becomes personal because our gratitude is combined with worship like the Samaritan and in that you know what happens Jesus looks at this man and says get up and go your way your faith has made you well your faith has saved you. That salvation, the wholeness that comes in Jesus inside and outside, physical, spiritual wholeness. Your faith has made you well. That's what happens when our gratitude is combined with worship. band, come on up. And so our invitation this Thanksgiving and this day is to be people like the Samaritan. People who combine gratitude with worship. People who give thanks to the living, loving God. Not just thanks in general, although let's do that too. Make your list. Do your, do your gratitude journal. And in it say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for every good and perfect gift that you have given to me. Maybe we be a people of gratitude in that way. Let's stand and sing together.